Hello everyone, and welcome to another edition of Films on Trial, episode number 11. Con Air, again. Or Air Force One, whichever, I mean, it's pretty much the same film. Is it? Who knows? We'll find out later. <laughs> I'm Gavin. I'm Dave. I'm Joel. I'm Alex. And if you've never heard this show before, we are four lads from Liverpool who like to sit around and bitch about films. You could say that where Elvis costs, tell us what you think of this film. Oh, <laughs> oh, not not your finest. I do enjoy these. They are one of my favourite bits of the podcast. But that's yeah, yeah. Doesn't yeah. doesn't speak well about the rest of the podcast. <laughs> this is the high point, and it gets steadily. <laughs> Yeah, decreases in value from now on. I, I was just saying to Alex before that I have got 16 weeks worth of, of these puns lined up. 16. 16 weeks worth. And if you think that that was top of the pile, <laughs> you've just got to think where they're going to end up in 16 weeks' time. So anyway, if you haven't actually heard this show before, we take a film and we put it on trial. There will also be lots of trivia, news, banter, and quizzes, won't there, Dave? Yeah, yeah, that's my favourite part of the quiz. So, before we get on to the bulk of the show, let's go and talk about what's been happening this week in the news. Hang on. Wow. Oh, my God. Like that? Very nice, yeah. Yeah, now, I couldn't actually think of a song... Uh, in Air Force One, a boy knew as well the president. I'm so. sure it's in there somewhere. Yeah, it's got to be. It's yeah. got to be a scene where that <laughs> If not, then then you can just easily imagine that it's in there. <laughs> so, without further ado, Alex, what is your point of news for the week? Uh, so my news is something that just caught my eye, because um, it's not big news, but it seemed interesting, is that uh, David Hasselhoff is trying to get a reboot of Knight Rider on the go. But he wants it to be in the style of Logan, the recent popular film with Hugh Jackman in it. So there's lots of reboots going on. I mean, I don't really see why not. There shouldn't not be a Knight Rider one, but I just, wow. Can you see it? Can you see it? David Hasselhoff? Yeah, well, I'm guessing if it doesn't, he'll be very bitterly disappointed. Or or is it going to be a new guy taking on the role and he's kind of a comedy? I think if he's pushing it so hard, it's because he wants to be in it. And he he wants to be the Logan, the, the old... Okay. Bitter David well, Hasselhoff. then definitely, I want that to happen right now. You do, I yeah. do. I think that'll be brilliant. <laughs> I don't think he knows what reboot means, though, because that would mean surely getting in a younger Night Rider. I, I don't know what reboot means. I just know it happens all the time. Well, so what's that? What's what's it if we get to do it again? Yeah, so a reboot is like Star Wars Seven. So it's pretty much like the same thing, but it's you know with a younger, a fresher sequel, isn't it? cast. Well, it's like, okay. a, it's like a, a reboot. I mean, you've still got elements of the old. Probably yeah. the worst example I've ever heard in my that, life <laughs> of a reboot. That is a good example. You've still got elements I, of the reboot. A reboot would maybe be... The new Hellboy film is coming out. That's, yeah. that's going to be a oh, reboot. Oh, because it's different Because it's different okay. director, different cast, yeah, yeah. Like different people getting on board. Okay. So, so Hasselhoff needs to walk away from this project so what, if he wants a reboot. So what, what was my example? Uh, Star Wars 7, a, a direct sequel to episode 6. That is not a direct sequel. That is a scene-for-scene scene imitation <laughs> <laughs> of, of <four>. episode 4. <laughs> Right, okay. So I, I think that it would be hilarious, to be honest. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, I, but I don't know if, if the tone... Intentionally, is though? Intentionally hilarious? Or? Unintentionally hilarious, but still. Who wouldn't want to see a grizzled David Hasselhoff 
in that sort of Logan. So, uh, I, I want to see the grizzled Knight Rider car. That's, you know. Kit, that, you want a grizzled I want kit. a grizzled kit. Like yeah. his, down, Seen some shit. Down on his look, on, yeah, on you know. bricks, drinking yeah, exactly. kerosene. <laughs> exactly. You know, <laughs> to be yeah. honest, I mean, you can borrow some of the elements from Logan. Kit could just be hired out as a limo. And <laughs> <laughs> I suppose so. Yeah. David Hasselhoff is the young Mexican girl. <laughs> well, all right. So everyone, does everyone want to see this happen then? Definitely. Yeah. Uh, I'm on board now, yeah. Joel? Well, mm, no. Oh. <laughs> Joel, Thanks, Joel. Literally pissing on everyone's bonfire there. Uh, so, Joel, what is your piece of news for the weekend? Well, my piece of news is that the Hitman's Bodyguard has shot straight to the top of the US box office. It's opened with $21.6 million with, and it was a budget to make of $30 million, so it's on track to obviously make budget and surpass it. But from the trailers, I thought it looked pretty funny. I thought it looked pretty good. I'm up for seeing it, definitely. Don't know what you guys thought. Yeah, I thought it was. Uh, it was. Well, when the initial poster came out for it, I was already sold. It was a parody of the original 1992 film, The Bodyguard, with Kevin Costner and Whitney Houston. But it was Ryan Reynolds and Samuel L. Jackson reenacting the roles, basically. Yeah. So it was Ryan Reynolds holding Samuel L. Jackson in yeah, his arms, yeah. while Samuel L. Jackson looks at him very lovingly. I thought it was very, very funny. <laughs> I really think those two actors had have a good time. You know, they could have a really good rapport on screen as well. I just hope they put some story in with it because sometimes when you get two big stars like this, it's like, great, the movie's done. They'll just, you know, they'll make the movie. So I hope they remember that that doesn't always happen. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure that was in in the forefront of their mind when they made the movie. <laughs> It's always in the forefront of Samuel L. Jackson. I mean, <laughs> he, he picks his projects so carefully. Yeah, My words. Samuel L. Jackson, there is a guy who's got away with a lot of guff. It's true, he's Teflon. But yeah. he comes back every time, doesn't he? He does. Like, nobody ever says, oh man, Samuel L. Jackson, he was in a bad film. They just always remember the, the great films. I think it's because when he picks a good one, it's a good one. And he delivers a really good performance in it. But everyone just seems to forget all the, all the rubbish, all the kind of, the man. Remember that? No. No. <laughs> I don't think he remembers the man. It was a buddy cop film starring him and Eugene Levy. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, you're in for a treat later. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah I, I've heard really good things about it. Some really good critical reviews as well. As you said, number one in the box office. And I think it's not taking itself too seriously. It's, when it was first announced, I read it as a sort of serious action film. And I thought, mm, well, I don't know how that's going to fare. But I think they've taken a really massive comedic spin on it. Which, you know, is, is great because you've got Ryan Reynolds in there, really good comedic actor. Samuel L. Jackson, he's, he's got a history of comedy as well. I think if, if they have that kind of comedy action spin on it throughout, then it could be really well. As, but as you said, kind of don't get too carried away. Yeah, you know, it needs to have other things. Stop pissing on everybody's parades. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> But so, I, I think I think we're going to start needing a judge for the news, right? <laughs> yeah, this is getting a little personal. This news. So uh, I would like to go next and discuss my piece of news for the week, which is that they have finally announced that there is going to be a Star Wars prequel film about the lives and times of Ben Obi Wan Kenobi. So, I mean, it, this was a thing that was. It was clamoured for for years by Star Wars fans. They said there needs to be a prequel film about Obi-Wan Kenobi. And now that it's happened, there seems to be a bit of backlash from some Star Wars fans saying, we want new original films. Yeah. Why, why do you need to dredge up the past? We want new characters, a fresh look on it. We don't want to be 
revisiting the old. I'm I'm pretty apprehensive about it for a few reasons. One, I wish Disney like they are just pumping out Star Wars constantly now. Whereas it used to be like pumping. Uh, <laughs> but it used to be like you know uh, a nostalgic thing. Whereas it just that seems to be getting less and less for me. But also uh, the character I did like you McGregor <coughs> as Obi Wan, and I'd be up for. I'd be up for him coming back if they did make it. You, but you liked him, even in, like even in the prequels. Yeah, I thought he was one of the the best parts of the prequels. I thought he was more or less, you know, perfect for the film. But that aside, um, the the character is meant to go into hiding, and pretty much as a very kind of quiet time in between episode whatever the numbers are. They, ne- um, they never said yeah, yeah, yeah. that it was going to be a, a thrill ride. It could just be him <laughs> just making dinner. Cook, cooking, yeah. cooking rats. <laughs> it's, it's going to be him sort of getting a, an allotment. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you how to make a nice chicken stew. Hey. Alex, I can see that you are itching to just <laughs> express how much you don't like Hugh McGregor in Star uh, Wars. I don't, I don't like Hugh McGregor since Trainspotting. He was, he was meant to be the chosen one and he just didn't deliver. Like, honestly, <laughs> uh, he was meant to change acting in Britain and he just, he's just shit. No, I mean, he, just ha- he hasn't done a good film really since... Has, has he since Trainspotting? Like, Star Wars prequels, I would say, are pretty bad. And like, I mean, as films, they're bad, but I think you that... Think he sort of I think he's good. I think he's a good Obi Wan. I, I think there's any escapes to be honest. Yeah. I think there's good points in them in terms of the Star Wars universe, but I think Obi Wan as a character, I think he played it pretty well. You, you know, like you were saying when you like when you introduced the news bit about like listening to fans and fans aren't happy. I, I do think sometimes with like studios are listening a bit too much to fans. They're starting to become a bit too much. Fans just need to be given something, in my opinion, to be honest, rather than like a part of. My oh, I think we should do this tapping away on the keyboards. I think it should just be like, no, no, they're in charge. They do it. And it shouldn't, because it gets watered down and they start trying to please this group of people and this group of people. I still think they should just make the film. Just ignore make the, the film. Fans. Just make the ignore film. The fans. Yeah, no, they but should ignore very, the Very, very fascist ideals here from Alex. <laughs> fascist, really. <laughs> to be fair, you know, if the fans are going to stump up the amount of money that Disney paid to get the rights to Star Wars, then I'm sure they can dictate where it goes. Exactly, from yeah, you know. it's Well, the fans are the ones that make it, you know, the, the, the highest blockbuster franchise in all history. The fans are the ones who are going there, buying the tickets, buying the merchandise. So they should dictate. I'm, I'm going to make an analogy with football here and you're just going to have to go with it, okay? But it's like people on the supporting forums you know when they're saying oh we should we should get this person in we should you know play this tactic or something like that it's just you honestly then <laughs> this man has watched one football match in his life just to point out I, I, like this this is a guy who still thought the Blackburn Rovers were in the Premier League <laughs> <laughs> okay. I just sorry, sorry but, but like, if you're going to use an analogy use something that you know and say we're going to play this player or this uh, tactic <laughs> You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand what you're saying. To be honest, I think sometimes the studios kind of bend too much, and then you get that sort of odd thing where they come out and say, "Oh, well, we, you know, it's not our fault. We were just listening to the fans. You know, it's, it's not our fault that the Green Lantern film was terrible. You know, yeah. and you know, but it's 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 also a thing of them having too much interference themselves. I think it should just be up to the director. Yeah. Where, where's a cold-blooded movie exec when you need one? Eh? Where, where's Joel Silver when you need him? <laughs> so, moving swiftly on, Dave, what is your piece of news this week? Uh, I would like to talk about the remake, not reboot, remake of Papillon. Classic film, starring Steve McQueen, Dustin Hoffman, being remade, people are probably aware of this, uh, with Charlie Hunnam taking on the Steve McQueen role and Remy Malek taking on the Dustin Hoffman role. 
How do people feel about this film being remade? Uh, I actually haven't seen the original. Ah. I've heard it's a classic, but yeah, no, I haven't seen it, so I don't know. I'm a, I'm a fan of Charlie Hummer, to be honest, and Rami Malek. I've liked pretty much. Should you just call him Charlie Hummus? Charlie Hummus. <laughs> <laughs> the middle class. Um, I mean, he's coming out of King Arthur, isn't he? So it's got to be... Reasonably decent. No, well, not just that. But if he was in a be, Tesco, commercial. it's got to be decent for him to make salvage any sort of Hollywood career, hasn't it? Really, otherwise, he's just going to go downhill. Yeah, I, I really, really, really liked the original. I thought it was a brilliant film, and I, I don't know. I mean, as you said, Charlie Hunnam. I, I like him. I want to like him. I really, really want to like him. But I, I just finished watching Sons of Anarchy on Dave's advice. And I didn't think it was that great. And maybe oh, come it's, on. Maybe it's because my expectations were too high, but I just thought they had a really great cast. I think they had some good storylines, but I think the execution was a bit poor. And I think the last season was a bit like... Ugh. Sorry, that you, you couldn't see my face there, but it was... Uh, it was a grimace. <laughs> <laughs> but so, I mean, as you said, he's had King Arthur. You know, he hasn't landed a few of you know the leading roles. Um it's, you know, it just seems to me maybe, I mean, it's, they've got Charlie Hunnam and Remy Malik. They are two kind of A-listers of TV, but are they A-listers of film? Is, is this a sort of thing where they're just making a Did, transitional piece for them? I was going to say, this could be their springboard. You never know if they do this right, because it was a huge, um, huge note on the slate for, for McQueen and for Hoffman. So this could do the same thing for them. If they, if they make the film as well as the original was, this could be big for them. Does it need to be remade? I mean, no, not at all. No, no. Okay. Not, not even slightly. I did read a funny interview with Steve McQueen, obviously decades ago, talking about working with Dustin Hoffman. And it was so interesting reading it and then going back and watching the film. So he said, well, you know, what were your experiences with working with Dustin Hoffman? And he said he was one of the biggest overactors that has ever graced the screen and where it would take Steve McQueen couple of seconds to do one shot it would be yeah, a shot of an expression Steve McQueen just looking you know look in the distance and that would be that with Dustin Hoffman it would take about 20 seconds you know he'd, he'd kind of look into the distance take his glasses off give him a polish put them back on have a bit of a squint take them off again you know and mm. it was just every scene he was wringing it out and making it last <laughs> as long as it possibly could although I've also heard Steve McQueen was like a really famous scene stealer like he'd, he'd always be doing something in the background when some other character was having like saying their line Ah. It was like shaking something or picking something up or doing something cool with a hat mm. to like take away from there. Ah. Yeah, so if you actually watch his films, you can see it as well. Oh man, I'd love to go back and watch Papillon now, knowing both of those things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to see the two of them, like pretty much jazz hands in their way through. <laughs> well, I hope Hunnam and Malik uh, know those stories yeah. and basically try and up upstage each yeah. other at every turn. Okay, guys, well, thank you very much for your news topics. They've been very, very interesting. Uh, but thank you. Oh, I've got my bizarre phone upside down. <laughs> Bit of a wrong note there, and I was holding it upside down, so I apologise. <laughs> so, we would like to now move on to discuss our trailer of the week. And this week's trailer is... Alex, do you want to talk a little bit more about it? Well, it's a film I'm really looking forward to. It's called The Death of Stalin. It's by Armando Iannucci, who has done political uh, comedy films before, In the Loop. And it's basically around the death of the Russian leader, Stalin. And it's kind of like a, a, a comedy. Which, to be honest, when I first... I've, you know, sort of read a few books about Stalin. He's not exactly prime comedy material, to be honest. <laughs> when I was, um, when it first came out, I was like, oh, I don't know, how are they going to do this? But I saw the trailer. It's a really good cast. It's got like Steve Buscemi, Jeffrey Tambor. It's got so many people in them, sort of mm. 
Who else? Uh, Michael Palin. Palin. Yeah. yeah. What, Jason Isaacs, is it? Oh, Jason, yeah, Jason Isaacs. Isaacs. Yeah, yeah. Paddy Considine. Yes. So, really, really good cast. Some of the jokes look really good. I'm hoping, as we've talked about on trailers before, there's more jokes in the film than the one... I, mean, I hope they're not the best ones, basically, yeah. that we've seen in the trailer. But I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's, uh, yeah, difficult subject. Uh, subject for comedy, but could be done. Yeah, definitely. I think that... Judging by the trailer, they've got the right tone to it, definitely. Yeah. I, one of my, I always go on about it, one of my pet peeves in films is where they have English or American actors trying to portray, <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about this now, we're probably going to touch upon it a little bit later on, <laughs> uh, people from uh, Eastern Europe or anywhere. Basically. You're the judge, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, especially Russian accents. Uh, that, that is a, a, a massive pet peeve of mine. And... I think he's done a very brilliant trick here and just embrace the fact that you've got Jason Isaacs, you've got Jeffrey Tambor, Steve Buscemi, everyone that we just spoke about before, and he hasn't got them to try and do yes. terrible yeah, yeah, Eastern yeah. European yeah. or Russian accents. They are just embracing it and there's got the whole variety of different accents. They do, don't they? They're not all yeah. the same. So Jason Isaacs seems to have a sort of cockney... Yeah, no, Jason Isaacs has so, got like this really broad Sheffield... Or like a Sean Bean sort yeah, of right, natural okay. accent, yeah, yeah, like a Northern yeah. English. But then you've got like... Tambor's got his own, uh, Bashemi just needs to be speaking as himself, so they've got regional American accents. Right. It's just, yeah, everyone's just doing their own thing. I think they're maybe just even using their own accents, with the exception of maybe Isaac's. But. Which is, yeah, yeah it, it does look really, really funny. And because for me, that is one of those films, say, say like watching Valkyrie, you, you kind of go in and you watch it, and then there's these terrible accents that draw you away from the, what's going on from oh, the right, actual yeah. film. Yeah. So with that, it's just a case of them just speaking as themselves. Yeah. They are able to act better then you understand as well that you know they're not Russian you know yeah. they, or that you know that they're pretending to be Russian but you don't so yeah it doesn't matter does it and I think it also might be a case of trying to not anger a Russian audience perhaps um, or you know some people in, in, in Russia anyway by yeah. saying this is an obvious pastiche you know this is people using Yorkshire or Geordie or you know Cockney accents it's obviously not you know a documentary it's not you know a biopic it is yeah. a spoof so, yeah, I mean, did Dave, have you ever watched any of Armando and Inucci's stuff? Any in the loop or... Uh, Only he, what Brucey made me watch. Only what Alex uh, sat me down and made me watch. It was, um, it was Thick of It, I think it was. Yeah, was, yeah. yeah. Um, Thick of It was actually pretty good, actually. Amazing. I really liked it, it, yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic, yeah. I mean, I don't know much of him, of his life in film. Has he done films before? Is this his first venture? That's the only one. Kind of like yeah. a Thick of It, the film of The Thick of It, which was, it was good. It wasn't as good as the thick of it, to be mm. honest, but had, yeah, had a decent cast as well. James Gandolfini yeah. was in it. But when you, when you figure that he's known predominantly for TV work, the fact that he's got such a great ensemble cast surrounding him. Yes. He's, yeah, he's yeah. done well. He's done very I mean, uh, Steve Buscemi as Nikita Khrushchev, sign me up. Take, yeah. my, take my money now. Armando <laughs> Iannucci, I mean, he's, he's basically, you know, he's with um, Steve Coogan, he's worked with, he was sort of, he's around like Alan Partridge, he was around Brass Eye, Chris Morris. So he's been working in comedy for a long time, yeah, so he definitely. knows his trade. You know? Well, he's made the transition to America quite well. He's uh, been working on Veep. I think it's entering its seventh oh, season it? now, yeah. So he's the writer behind that, and that has won big at the Golden Globes and the Emmys over the past few years. Um, and I know uh, Julia Louise Dreyfus is... Uh, is she, well, no, nobody's nodding in agreement. <laughs> yeah, that, that, the hours. Right, okay, right. <laughs> okay, uh, so she, she's the central character in it, and she's won a number of awards for her performance in it. And it's it's getting a lot of acclaim at the moment, so I think it's you know he's in a good position to be doing a foray into films, definitely. So nobody's got anything else to add, so I think we're going to go on to the main part of the show, which is 
films on trial. I couldn't roll my eyes again. There we go, drum roll. So, um, if you haven't heard the show before, I'm just going to give you a little bit of information about it. We take a film and we put it on trial. Simple as that, basically. But we do it at random. So we have a number of films and we put them in a hat and each week we'll pull out a film at random and we'll also pull out the roles at random as well. And there are four roles in the show. There's the role of the prosecutor who's going to try and condemn the film and put it on the shit list. There's also the role of the defence who's going to try and support the film and get it on the hit list. There's also the role of the character witness who is going to add their opinions to either side of the arguments, try and throw a bit of weight behind the arguments and support either the prosecutor or the defence. And then there's the most important role in the whole show. I'm just saying that because I'm playing it this week. But it is the role of the judge who is supposed to, I'll just point this out, supposed to, Joel, act impartially... (laughs) I think, I think I'm the greatest offender of that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. it's, a, it's supposed to act impartially and make a final decision as to where the film is placed on the hit list or the shit list based on the arguments that are put to them and not their own opinion. So as I said before, the roles are completely at random, so it may be a case that somebody is defending a film that they hate or is prosecuting a film that they love. Now, as I said before, this week's film on trial is Air Force One. So acting as the judge this week is going to be me. Acting is in defence is going to be Dave. No, Joel. oh my god! I literally don't understand. You're pointing he with was, a pen. He pointing was with pointing a pen. at Joel. You, you're pointing with a pen. It's going back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> you're pointing at yourself or Joel, right? So apparently it's going to be Joel, and so that means the prosecution is going to be Dave, that is correct. and the character witness is going to be Alex. So, without further doubt. I'm going to give a little bit of a synopsis. Hijackers seize the plane carrying the President of the United States and his family, but he, an ex-soldier, works from hiding to defeat them. Down, 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 this summer. So yeah, so that's, that's the synopsis there. So what will happen now is I am going to give each the prosecutor and the defense one point to discuss and then they will have a mutual point to discuss as well so there's going to be three topics and it's going to be a bit of back and forth so without further ado can we please start with joel okay so i'm going to start off with it's more or less a bit of everything but i'm going to start off with the story so it's an inventive twist on an already established formula really it's pretty much die hard but on a plane and we all know it, it works to be fair so it's a group of terrorists led by gary Oldman. They invade Air Force One and demand that a dictator be set free or they will execute a hostage every half an hour until their demands are met. But literally at the start of the film, Harrison Ford gives a speech about zero tolerance sorry, for terrorists and basically it pretty much sets up the film. So Harrison Ford obviously cannot give in to these demands because he's pretty much just said they have a zero tolerance uh, you know, policy for terrorists. So it, it even takes into account you know, the fact that his family and his staff are all on the plane. So there's like a, a little bit of a personal uh, approach to this film as well. It's not just, uh, you know, kind of random people that he may not know. Um, so uh, Gary Oldman thinks that uh, Marshall, who is the Harrison Ford's character, has fled the plane in midair by way of an escape pod, which I thought was actually a relatively inventive addition to to Air Force One. It's not there on the real Air Force One, obviously, but you could actually believe that there is an escape pod on the plane. 
But he has decided to stay on the plane. He was ex-Special Forces, and I don't think really anyone can say that that's not a pretty cool thing to have the president, like (laughs) an ex-Special Forces president hunting down terrorists and stuff. Obviously, Donald Trump thought it was cool. (laughs) (laughs) You're you're defending, you know. Um, So, as I say, it's like Die Hard on a plane. And the events... You know, like I said, when I was prosecuting a lethal weapon, there is, you have to separate kind of the believability from this. You know, some of the events like the gunfights and all that type of stuff, they may bring down a plane in real life, but that's really not what it's about. But like I said, in that point, you know, you have to uh, believe some of, the, some of the events could actually happen. And there is like a semblance of realism in this film. The special effects are used pretty sparsely, to be honest, but they are. Uh, kind of used very powerfully. The kind of jokey kiss-off lines are like really kept to a minimum. You know, this is much more of a serious film compared to something like, uh, you know, an Arnie film or previous films that have come before in kind of the same the same time frame. You know, it's a cat and mouse kind of thrill ride. The gunfights they're very real, they're very visceral. The detail in the environment they help sell the the movie's authenticity. You know, if you actually look. At screenshots of Air Force One, it is actually very similar to how it was at that time. Uh, The action sequences, they're pretty unforgettable. You know, you've got the initial uh, Special Forces kidnap. Uh, You've got the uh, Ford holding onto the plane. You've got the terrorist takeover. And then you've got, obviously, the the fist fight with Gary Oldman at the end uh, with the famous line being, Get off my plane. Um, It is patriotic and it it is, um, you know, a misogynistic film. But not to an overstated degree. There's actually a quote that I found um, when I was researching this on the internet, which is which is from Glenn Close, who plays uh, Vice President Catherine Bennett in the film. So she had, when she read the script, she had a request before she agreed to play the role. And that is, they had written a scene of her breaking down and crying. And she said, I won't do it because I thought we were doing women a disfavor in that we had a really cliche moment where she breaks down. And she got her way and they took it out. So it goes to show that the that the characters, you know, they did think about what they were doing, how they were, you know, being betrayed. And, you know, overall, I just think the film works really, really well. It's exciting. It keeps you, you know, on the edge of your seat throughout. And coming off the back of, you know, several f- films of like an earlier time, you know, I think it does a really good job of, of keeping you entertained. And that's what this film is there to do. You know, as I said, it's not something that you look... You overanalyze, you say that wouldn't happen. As we've said before, um, you know, it's just a fun film. Well, thank you very much, Joel. I thought that was a really good defense. <laughs> Joel obviously knows how to massage the ego of the judge. <laughs> <laughs> he got the points about sex. That wasn't Paul, it was massaging. <laughs> so, Dave, okay. Joel has mentioned uh, it being a bit of a cat and mouse thrill ride. Said it was quite authentic. It was very visceral action sequences, and he said that the usual shit, cliched woman stereotype of action films was taken out to make it more authentic. What would you like to add or say about that? I've got to say, I didn't find this uh, particularly authentic at all. Um, there's a number of gaping plot holes. It's as riddled with plot holes as the fuselage of Air Force One should have been. Mm-hmm. There's, for one, like Joel says, there's no uh, escape pod. Why would there be an escape pod on Air Force One? Let's, uh, here's a great idea. We're compromised. Let's jettison the president over God knows what, be it the ocean, 
being a, a foreign country on his own as well it's a one seater escape pod who's who's bailing the president out like that there's also no parachute ramp kind of a, a crucial point of the film is you know they, they're able to get most of the hostages off by parachuting them out the back like it's some kind of troop deployment plane it's it's nothing like that it's a boeing it's um it, that, that it's not they don't even have parachutes on board air force one simply because the speed it's going in order to stay airborne it's going too fast for anyone to be able to bail out and survive so it's pointless to have parachutes the biggest plot hole the biggest issue i have is the one that sets up the entire film it's how did these russian terrorists well i'm sorry kazakhstani terrorists get on board with a couple of fake ids they killed the previous reporters that were meant to be coming on and then the uh, the deputy uh, press secretary for the White House just seems to go with this and just like, oh, yeah, yeah, they do, do a couple of brief checks. There's no background research into the reporters. She is taking on Air Force One, supposedly the most secure plane on the planet. Just like, oh, yeah, you've got the IDs. Oh, that'll do. And the, uh, what really annoyed me, Gibbs, Agent Gibbs's character, Xander Berkeley, there is no motive. He's the inside man, basically, who kills a couple of Secret Service agents that are guarding the weapons cache. And then opens the weapons cache for the for Gary Oldman and his hijackers to to take over the plane. There is no mention of motive for uh, uh, Xander Berkeley's character for Agent Gibbs. And even after they understand that they were let down on the inside, but no one really seems too fussed about this. They're just kind of like Glenn Close mentions it in passing. It's like how the hell did they get Air Force One? Oh, they must have had a man on the inside. We should probably do something about that. Oh, we got bigger things to worry about right now. And then towards the end of the film, it's like it all seems to be forgotten about. Agent Gibbs stays on the plane, being one of the only few surviving Secret Service agents he kind of probably feels obliged to. Stays on the plane, and at the end, as the plane's going down, they've only got time to get one more person off, and obviously they're going to get the president off. That's when Gibbs reveals his true motives or his true feelings, and he shoots the uh, the guard that's come down to take the president off. And William H. Macy turns to him and says, It was you! It's just, it's just dawned on William H. Macy. Oh, yeah, we had an inside man. We really should have looked into that. <laughs> you know, before we let all those hostages off the plane, or before we did this, or before we did that. It's just like it's suddenly dawned on him now, and there is no motive. Nothing is present. Even if someone just said, Why'd you do it? Money. That would have done. Anything. <laughs> Anything. I like money. Okay, yeah, that's fine. A motive presented, but nothing. It just goes completely unanswered as to why Xander Berkeley's character did this. Joel also mentioned um, the special effects. Uh, it's talking about suspending your disbelief. The special effects are not actually that good. What is good is the fact that um, Wolfgang Peterson, ever the uh, man l- like including realism in his films, as he did with Das Boot, which was a masterpiece, which made this all the more disappointing. He, um, he used a lot of the scenes on the runways, uh, actually using planes and a lot of the aerial shots with real planes. But I've got to note, say, the, the bit where the plane comes on to help refuel Air Force One in midair, as that explodes at the back of the parachute door, the parachute door that doesn't exist on the actual Air Force One, by the way, as that explodes behind, you can see it's blatantly a green screen. I know there's a few films before and after this one that have had problems with green screens, but it's just so glaringly obvious what it is. It looks terrible. It truly does. It's one of the worst special effects I think I've seen in a 90s action film, and that's saying something. I've got <laughs> I've got a mention of uh, Harrison Ford's speech here. I just realised what I wrote. I've written, oh, tolerance. It, no, sorry, zero tolerance. I think was what I meant. <laughs> oh, tolerance. <laughs> that zero tolerance speech at the start, it, it leaves kind of a bitter taste in my mouth. Now, it's up for the judge to decide whether it leaves a bit of taste because of recent events, because of a few presents we've had since 1997 when this film came out. But it brought back to me uh, feelings of the Iraq War, which I know is, is commonly thing to be a, a, an unjust war. That kind of stuck in my mind. And also, like Joel said, Donald Trump really kind of liked this film. His, the fanfare for his election campaign, he would walk on to the theme from Air Force One, 
which is quite possibly one of the most overblown imperial marches I've ever heard. And he, you know, he he loved this film. He said, "Oh yeah, I, I think James Marshall, Harrison Ford's character, is one of the best, but one of the best fictitious presidents ever made because he stood up for America." And all of this just leaves a very bitter taste in my mouth, to be honest with you. What, what about Bill Pullman in Independence Day? Damn right, he stood up for America. He stood what? up against all those aliens. <laughs> where's, where's Bill Pullman's fanfare? You know, where's Bill Pullman's? Where's Bill Pullman's fanfare? You know, you could say that every day. Again. <laughs> I, I don't want to get into the debate of great fictitious presidents, to be honest, because we'll be here all night. <laughs> yeah, Donald Pleasance. Where's Donald Pleasance's <laughs> Yeah, talking about presidents in peril, Donald Pleasance, he was, he was a guy that knew how to get rescued. Uh, so, Alex, okay, so Joel has spoken about uh, cat and mouse thrill ride being very authentic, visceral action. Dave has said that that's all baloney because it's actually full of plot holes and the special effects is borderline terrible. What would you like to add? Whose side would you like to stick on? Uh, I, I, like as as often, there are good points on both sides. So I do understand what Dave was saying as prosecutor that the special effects they do look dated now. So when you when you look at, I remember when the plane actually crashes right at the end. It's a bit like, ah, oh, that's disappointing actually because it just doesn't quite stand up to today's standards. Uh, I also agree when Dave said Das Boot is a masterpiece. I just wanted to say again, it okay. is a masterpiece. I'm with you on that one, <laughs> and I do agree. It's yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a different way for Wolfgang Peterson to go after Das Boot, but. But I, I do have to take issue with a lot of Dave said in that one. I'm sorry, Dave. Um, when you say about the plot holes, you know, that bullets should pierce and there wouldn't be a parachute ramp and how would they have fake IDs? For me, I just, I go with, when Joel said it's die hard on a plane, I want die hard on a plane. And, you know, and, and you're right, all of those things are completely true, but I want die hard on a plane. And so, yeah, the bullets are going to not pierce the, the fuselage. And there is going to be a parachute ramp because it'd be cool if it's a parachute ramp. And, you know, there's going to be um, the president's, what's it called, his escape pod. Because that's quite cool to have a president's escape pod. And, you know, it'd be a bit a bit rubbish if they were firing, I don't know, if they were throwing things at each other rather than firing automatic weapons. <laughs> I, I would have quite liked that. <laughs> it just wouldn't quite be the action film that it is. So I, I, I give it a huge license to just make up um, whatever it wants to be honest uh, on that on that score um, yeah, you know the special effects are a bit forgettable but it's, it is a good storyline it's a solid structure it's die hard on a plane I'm not sure if that makes it a hit but it is die hard on a plane and it delivers that so yeah that's where I land well thank you very very much Alex I think the phrase "die hard on a plane" has been mentioned <laughs> too many times. I've mentioned it about five times, haven't you? Which, which is it's coincidental because that brings us on to our quiz, Dave. <laughs> Yay! So once again, I've been working on some songs. So, whoa, whoa, whoa! Quiz serious, Dave. I want to get close to you. <laughs> Very good. So this week's quiz is called. Air Force One, a formula that dies hard. <laughs> this is going to be good. So basically, Dave, I'm going to list a number of scenarios about Die Hard, and you have got to tell me which film it was. Okay. So we, we all know already that Die Hard on a plane, one example, would be Air Force One. But can you tell me Die Hard on a boat? Die Hard on a boat. I'm going to say Under Siege. The siege. Anybody else got any more? 
Uh, I was at Speed Two came to mind first. To be honest, Speed Two. Oh, I, 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 I kind of argue that that's a yeah. cruise liner. Yeah, Under Siege <laughs> came to mind for me. Oh, and Under Siege is the one in Missouri. I'm pretty sure his argument for that. So at least you know. Uh, I've forgotten the bad guy in it. Tommy Lee Jones yes. and mm-hmm. Ibuc. At least they had a reason to steal that boat in Under Siege because it had war warheads. Under in Speed Two, Speed Willem Dafoe. Willem oh, Dafoe. Yeah. yeah, they took his pension. They laid him off when he was sick. Come on, the guy had a real grievance here. Yeah. So he stole the cruise. <laughs> what is that? So, yeah, so he took over the cruise. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. So that's actually yeah. They laid him off. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I don't, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, Don't lay off Willem Dafoe. Yeah. Stark difference there. <laughs> okay, right, so right, moving on. We're going to stay with the nautical theme. Dave, can you tell me a film that uses the Die Hard formula on a submarine? On oh, a submarine? Um, oh, I'm struggling there. Hunt for October is a bit of a... Bit of a <laughs> it's got to yeah, be that. Yeah, yeah. I can't. I, maybe Hunt for October. I don't know if that's the thing. Anybody else? Um, uh, I was going to say K9, The Widowmaker. Yeah, Crimson Tide, maybe. maybe. Crimson Tide, yeah. But it's not really... K9, it's The not Widowmaker, really. I think that was more Air Force One on a submarine. Yeah, <laughs> it's not really a terrorist <laughs> takeover. The same cast. None of them are really terrorist takeovers. I don't know. Okay, so we've got uh, a couple of examples here. Crash Dive, starring America's Of course, favorite. Crash, Crash Dive. Dive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a good one to see at the cinema. Yeah, yeah thanks, Gil. <laughs> starring, starring the American ninja, Michael Dudikoff. <laughs> oh, Michael Dudikoff, of course, yeah. And, and also, on, and also, and also, Countermeasures, which starred... Is that an actor or a film? Yeah, that's the film, that's the film, which also starred the American ninja, Michael Dudikoff again. <laughs> of course, Michael Dudikoff. He likes, he likes Gav, making... Gav's definition of what is a film is a lot broader than most people's. Like, you, you know, some films you, I just don't accept they are. Oh, man, come on, this is a film. Right, anyway, right, okay, right, so Dave, Dave right, okay, right, it's a bit of an easy one, okay. Uh, the Die Hard formula, Die Hard on a train. Uh, I kind of want to say Under Siege 2, to be honest with you. Definitely. Hey, buddy? Yeah. That's uh, all I've got. Yeah, Under Siege 2, well yeah, done. Yeah. Under Siege 2, once again, it's a train transporting nuclear warheads, and he is acting as a... Oh, no, he's not acting as a chef. He's going on holiday with his niece, isn't he? Uh, Either yes, way, there's yes, another yes. terrible reason he shoehorned onto the... The, the premise didn't really... Yeah, it's not why I watched it. So, okay, we've also got the classic film, Derailed, starring everybody's favourite, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah, I've heard of him and that so I'll give you those ones <laughs> okay okay so can you tell me the film in which they used the Die Hard formula at a hockey game oh Sudden Impact Snake Eyes no not Snake Eyes is it Sudden Impact or Sudden Death School Sudden Death I think it's, sudden, sudden, it's, it's Jean-Claude Van Damme again it is Jean-Claude yeah. Van Damme pa- Powers Booth is a bad guy yes, yeah yes, that's yes. the one I'm thinking of a, yeah. a, a de-mustachioed Powers Booth <laughs> oh I'm pretty sure he puts on a fake one at the end when he tries to escape an helicopter oh my just that scene at the end with the helicopter crashing where it just goes down completely vertically <laughs> there's, no, there's no kind of like swaying there's no nothing it just kind of goes down vertically at about two miles per hour yeah. <laughs> enough for them to have a longing look at each other okay right so, yeah, so that was Van Damme again he loved the Die Hard formula so much he decided to do it a hockey game um, so you might think that that is the most ridiculous one on the list but no we've got Die Hard at a rock concert Die Hard at a rock concert oh, no idea uh, I'm actually struggling with this one um, do we know anyone that was in it yes hang on oh really <laughs> um, you know what no I, I, I don't know directed by and starring Dolph Lundgren 
This is command performance. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Now, can anybody here guess what the premise of this film is? Uh, I'm guessing, is he attending a rock concert with his niece, or is he chefing at a rock concert? (laughs) (laughs) No. Uh, So, Dolph Lundgren plays a drummer in a band, uh, but he used to be an ex-Hell's Angel who swore off violence forever. But that all changes when the rock concerts he's playing at is overrun by terrorists. <laughs> like led by Powers Booth or Tommy Lee Jones. I, I, I wish, I wish. Oh, how recycled is this? <laughs> okay, so uh, I've got a number of other ones here. I think I'm just going to leave with the last one. Um, Die Hard on a Mountaintop. Oh, oh cliffhanger. 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 Yeah, we've got Cliffhanger here. There's also the, the quite closely linked Die Hard at a ski resort, which is uh, a couple of films, Icebreaker, starring Bruce Campbell, <laughs> and we've got a more hilariously named one, Cracker Jack, starring Christopher Plummer. <laughs> Genuinely. <laughs> Genuinely. Genuinely. Well, Cracker Jack. Oh, Christopher. <laughs> I really like Christopher Plummer. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, th- I think you meant liked Christopher Plummer. <laughs> it, it's Die Hard on a mountaintop. What's not to like, Alex? <laughs> yeah, he's chefing at a ski resort with his niece. <laughs> anyway, okay, so thank you very much, guys. That is uh, enough for quiz, Dave, I think. Uh, so now we're going to move on. And Dave, would you like to pick your point, please? I would like to talk about the cast slash characters. Now, this film has a really good ensemble cast. You look at the names, and it is like a who's who in 90s cinema in America. It's got some great actors in there, and it woefully underuses the vast majority of them. You've got some great actors in there, like you've got um, Dean Stockwell, who is playing, I think, the Secretary of Defence. He's down on the ground uh, with Glenn Close in her scenes. And he's reduced to this pantomime villain of a Secretary of Defence, you know, with such comments, you know, to, to Glenn Close, talking about misogyny, as, keep calm, Catherine, I'm in charge here. And such things. And, you know, it, he's, he's meant to be a bit of a dick, so you don't, you can get away with that sort of thing. But it's like, it's, you're not meant to like the guy, but it's just pantomime villain we're meant to boo we're meant to hiss you know he says it's a military situation it's like I'm secretary of defence therefore I'm in charge it's like right he's on a power trip we got it okay we got that like three scenes ago other actors in there that are underused I think William H. Macy is underused I don't think he gets enough screen time here Philip Baker Hall underused these are some great character actors Elia Baskin hardly any lines he's Gary Oldman's right hand man he hardly even speaks one of the most glaring things that annoyed me about this Jürgen Prochnow who plays General Raddick being the, uh, the Kazakhstani dictator that gets abducted at the start, and he is the reason why Gary Oldman and his men have taken over the plane. If he gets... I don't even think he gets a line. This is Jürgen now, one of the finest actors to come out of Germany, one of the best character actors working in Hollywood, and he doesn't get a line. I think all he does is confirm his name when he comes to pick up his uniform as he's being turned out of prison. I think that's all he says. Woeful misuse of a great actor. And the characters. I know a lot of people said that Gary Oldman was the best thing in this film. And I love Gary Oldman. I really do. But this got a bit hammy for me, to be honest with you. This is like a cardinal sin that I'm saying right now. I'm slating off one of my favourite character actors. You know I love character actors. But this got a bit overdone. And I think I don't think they put much thought into the character development. I think he just got a bit carried away with his performance, which wasn't necessarily a good thing, because he started chewing the scenery. And, you know, at that height, you know, you don't want to rupture the fuselage although if an automatic weapons fight doesn't do it then I don't know what will, to be honest with you but yeah it's, it's, it's meant to be a military man you know he takes over this plane with precision it's meant to be a well thought out plan just don't think about it too hard otherwise you'll be disappointed but he's meant to be a military man he's, he's cool he's calm he's collected he's there for a reason and 
he starts off there's moments where you see that part of his character come through where he executes the NSA advisor uh, Jack Daddy. You, you do see that, that he was a very good negotiator he just bought you 30 more minutes that's the kind of character I think he wanted it to be but no instead it became he got over emotional you see him start shouting at the first lady he's shouting at his men he's panicking he's losing control of the situation it's like this is a military man he was chosen for this mission for a reason to keep a cool head and to execute this with professionalism in a military manner and he doesn't do it and it's just kind of unbelievable it's like he's lost the plot and that accent guys come on that accent really that is that, that, that I don't know many Kazakhstanis but that is not a Kazakhstan accent I don't know what that was meant to be but yeah that's my point on, on characters aside from yeah the misogyny the pantomime villains the underuse of great character actors it's just it all went a bit wrong Thank you very much, Dave. I, once again, like you talking about misogyny in the film. <laughs> I think he said it a few too many times <laughs> whilst winking and pointing at me. <laughs> okay, so Joel, Dave had said it's a great cast, but they are criminally underutilised. Uh, there are kind of pantomime villainry going on. Also, very hammy acting from Gary Oldman, the scene, uh, the film's main protagonist. What would you like to add about that? Well, I think, I think Dave does raise some interesting points, but, you know, the main character, it's Harrison Ford. You know, he's coming off... Well, he's pretty much at the height of his stardom. He's coming off the back of Star Wars, Indiana Jones, The Fugitive, you know, really kind of stylish, successful films. He plays, like, really gritty characters in them, you know, pretty cool characters. And it's the, exactly the same in this one. He, he makes a great president. You know, he's able to stare down his adversaries without flinching. Just like really cool fist, fist fights, you know, it's all kind of uh, gritty. And it's just a great performance, you know, and I think it, it is believable. If you look at it in the fact that he, he is a ex-Special Forces president, obviously. Um, That's totally believable. <laughs> well, I think in the, in the, if you look at it in the context of this film, it is. It, if nobody watches a film like this and goes home and says, you know, why has Air Force One got an escape pod? You watch it and you watch the film and you enjoy it. You don't go and Google it and think that's bullshit. Um, so Gary Oldman, you know, I thought he was the perfect terrorist. And what Dave said about his accent, you know, it, it isn't great. It's not perfect. But I would always argue that I would rather have Gary Oldman in there with that accent than not in there with without the accent. <laughs> I, I think I agree with you. I'm not sure. Um, but, you know, what Dave says about him being overly emotional, I think it really adds to the character. Like, when he's speaking to the hostage before, um, you know, he wants to execute her, he actually does speak to her, like, with this kind of tenderness. And you, you can actually kind of tell in his voice he is a little bit sad about it. He's not just like this... Uh, human machine you know Dave says he's a military man uh, which he is but he's also human and you can tell that he doesn't actually like doing these things he's doing them for a reason and that's maybe why he is getting emotional that he actually cares about the dictator he do he does want him released and you know obviously that is the main kind of motivation for him to take over the plane um, and what Dave says about the rest of the cast being underused you know I do agree the cast I was going to reel off, you know, a whole bunch of names, but they pretty much did it for me there. But, you know, that said, pretty much the same point which you used with Gary Oldman. Who would you rather have as, you know, these characters? Would you rather have just like an extra that you've never seen before? Or would you rather have, you know, decent actors? Even if they've only got a line or two, it just adds to the whole experience. You know, if, if they're well-delivered lines, I would much rather have, um, you know, people like Glenn Close, Wendy Crewson, 
Uh, Philip Baker Hall, you know, even if they only get a line or two in there, I would much rather have them in there than, as I say, just like a, a random extra delivering those lines. That's, uh, thank you very much for that, Joel. Uh, Dave, I could see you frantically shaking your head and writing something down. Is there something that Joel said there that you didn't agree with? I, I completely agree with what he's saying, that uh, Gary Oldman is like tinged with sadness at what he's doing. He is reveling in it. He is smirking away. He is enjoying it. He's threatening a child at one point, for God's sake, to get a father to comply with what he's demanding. He is enjoying this. He throws, after he's defeated, after Raddick is dead, he's there at the back of the plane throwing these non-existent parachutes out of this non-existent parachute hatch just to spike people so he can kill more people on the plane he is loving it he's become a sadist which again doesn't fit in Harrison Ford tries to appeal to him and say come on we're soldiers and it's like, clearly this man is not he's a, he's a lunatic okay uh, so Alex what would you like to add about this Who, which side of the fence do you sit on uh, again seeing lots of good points going you know flying on either side here um, the cast is underused and I would have to disagree with Joel I, I did find it sad that William H. Macy isn't used more when I saw him, it was like, great, William H. Macy. And I sort of, every time I say it, I forget he's in it. And it's like, oh, yeah, but basically he just gets shot. I mean, that's, I don't think anything, he doesn't... Spoiler. It, it, <laughs> 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 but, he, uh, yeah, sorry about that. Um, but, yeah, basically that's all that happens to him. He doesn't really do much. And, yeah, you know, you know, Joe was saying, you know, maybe it's better to have him than an extra. But, really, when I see him, I get my, it gets my hopes up a little bit when I see these good actors and I just think well you know I want them to be in it and then they're not and it's a bit like well okay but bit of a missed opportunity um, yeah like again is it Jürgen Prochnow? Jürgen Prochnow yeah. yeah again from Despo just yeah that was I really need a line or two in that like massively but I hugely disagree with what Dave said about Gary Oldman like, I, I love Gary Oldman in this film I love Gary Oldman generally but I think he's particularly good in this film I think his character is fantastic I think it's the, the best thing in the film much better than Harrison Ford's president. Um, he's, yeah, he's a military man, but he's emotional. He does care about what he's doing. He, he has some great lines. I actually, sorry to shoot this, shoehorn this in. I actually think this is a very quite a subversive film. Like, I'd not maybe not intentionally. Oh, hang on, are we going down the whole <laughs> Starship Troopers being fascist? <laughs> uh, a little bit, yeah, yeah, we are. Um, that honestly, some of the lines that Gary Oldman says are absolutely fantastic. I am on Gary Oldman's side in most of the arguments he's having with characters throughout his film. I've written some down, if you don't mind. I'm going to read some of them out, sorry. Please um, enlighten us, Alex. Yeah, uh, can I do it? I, I, I do have, if I can make a point after you've done with these, I do have a point about these. Okay, okay. Uh, can I, should I say it in Gary Oldman's show? Please, please. Or? Okay, uh, it's Kazakhstani and... <laughs> Kazakhstani. Please, please do Okay, so. Um, so he's talking to the daughter, okay, and she's saying... You're a monster, you know, you're a killer, you're a murderer. And, you know, he, he goes, your dad's a murderer too. And she goes, no, he's not, that's not true. And he goes, um, <clears throat> why? Because he does it in a tuxedo with a phone call and a smart bomb? No, like, we'll come to the accent later, all right? We'll <laughs> park that. I can see you looking at I, I, I'm, I'm, tr- I'm trying really hard to park it. <laughs> okay. But I thought that was one of the best lines in there. And it's just like, wow, that is really... And no one has anything to say to it as well. None of you, Mary, like the, the, the girl just goes, yeah, you're a monster. But it's like, I, when I was watching it, it was like, whoa, whoa no, that, someone needs to come back at him with that because that's a really good point. He also says to the first lady at some point, uh, she says, this isn't war. And he goes, you murdered it. Oh, should I do the accent again? Or should I start? Please, please. Okay. Uh, you've already started. <laughs> I mean, you've already offended a lot of people, so you may as well continue. I'm not sure what our audience in Kazakhstan is like. <laughs> but you know, it, if it, I have, I'm, I, I'm like, he, he just switched off. I'm, do- <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best. I do apologise. 
You murdered. The, oh shit! Maybe, uh, you, <laughs> it sounds identical to your Max von Sydow impression. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that is not a compliment. <laughs> Basically, saying your Swedish and Kazakhstani accents now, are identical. Now everyone's going to want to hear my Max von Sydow impression. We're hearing it now. You murdered. You murdered a hundred thousand Iraqis so you could save a nickel a gallon on gas. You think to lecture me on the rules of war? Like it's a, again what not the accent loving it. It's a really, really, really good point he's saying, and it just no one has anything to say against it. So it's sort of like I think some scriptwriter somehow has managed to push in these little lines that really make really good points about American foreign, foreign policy into this pretty gung ho American film. But sorry, that's why I really like Gary Oldman's character. I think it's really done well. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop there. But yeah, do agree with lots of the points, but loved Gary Oldman in it. I'd just like to add that if anybody was offended by those points, you can send a complaint into our Twitter page. <laughs> uh, but just to add that Alex was doing an impression of Gary Oldman doing impression, an impression. Thank you. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> Alex doesn't actually believe that. That's a... Yeah. <laughs> but... A spot-on impression. Very valid points, I might say. It could be a sort of anti-American film in disguise. I don't know. I, think, I, think I don't think it's meant to be, but I think there's some scriptwriter laughing a lot because he managed to get those lines into the mm. film with no one really coming back at him about it. I suppose if you're going to make an anti-American film, the best way to do it would be to disguise okay. it in a film. Very that, pro-American film. It was also yeah. very pro-American. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so, I mean, I mean, I should do say the the terrorist, it, it may be a case that he's making very valid points or it may just be a case that they're highlighted more because the characters that he's saying them to don't really have anything to respond with. So exactly. maybe it highlights them a little bit more. But anyway, I just want to say thank you very much for that point. Very interesting. Now, let's try and wrap it up, guys. We've got one final point, and it's a shared point. So can I please start with Joel? Okay, so I want to start with the sound. And this is composed by Jerry Goldsmith, and most people probably don't know, but it was Oscar-nominated here. So the music's really intense. It pairs well with all the action, this kind of soft piano set in the scenes. It's followed by kind of high-pitched trumpets and various other instruments during the gunfight. It all just adds to the atmosphere, adds to all the, um, you know, like the action scenes. The cinematography, again, I think it was Michael Bayless, Bayless, I don't know how to pronounce that, but he did things like Gangs of New York, Goodfellas, The Departed. So really good CV, and again, it was shot extremely well. It was shot to create tension, and it clearly establishes, sorry, uh, the geography and the map of all the players before each encounter. So... For example, kind of the bits where he's sneaking about uh, behind the terrorists, you know where the terrorists are, and that kind of adds to the tension again, because you know that he could be caught at any moment, you know there's somebody behind the corner, for example, and that was all shot like that on purpose, basically, you know, to to add to the the experience. Okay, thank you very much, Joel. Uh, Dave, do you have to come back on that? Um, I'll make a concession on the cinematography. It is very well shot. I'd expect nothing else from Wolfgang Peterson. But the score, it is a bit overblown, isn't it? It kind of ties in with what I want to talk a bit about. It's, it's the imperialism. We've touched on it before. You're saying this, this is kind of maybe an anti-American film in disguise. It's, it's bloody well hidden, if it is, believe me. Because this, is, <laughs> <laughs> this, this film demonstrates some of the most obnoxious flag-waving I think I've ever seen in a Hollywood film. And, you know, I, I admire patriotism. It's great if you're proud of your country. That's one thing. But this... This kind of justifies America policing the world. Harrison Ford's zero tolerance speech or O tolerance speech at the start of the film. It just it's it's it kind of justifies their right to interfere in other people's conflicts. And I didn't really like the uh, the Russian president being portrayed as this kind of 
lapdog to the US president. It's like, uh, we need to, we've got a problem with uh, a Kazakhstani dictator being held in Russia. Uh, we abduct the, the president of the United States because the president of Russia is going to do what he says, right? Right? No one? <laughs> no, you're quite right. He's not going to. <laughs> Can you imagine if Donald Trump got abducted and he's just like, Vladimir, I need you to release that, that war criminal. And it's just... Uh, We're all imagining yeah. it now, It's great fun, isn't it? Yeah, it's, you can just see it, Vladimir Putin like, uh, sounds like a you problem. I don't think... <laughs> so, but is it, yeah, it's like Putin saying, well, I, I'd love to, but I really need Donald Trump to sign off on this. Before yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. It's just kind of, it's a bit insulting that the head of a superpower is answerable to America just because he is the president of the United States. And it's little things like the candlelit vigil outside the White House, you know, the crowds cheering. Before Harrison Ford's even taken his harness off on that rescue plane, the crowds are cheering and applauding outside. It just, it gets a bit sickening. After a while. Like I said before about that bitter taste in your mouth, it's not going away. Okay, uh, thank you very much for that point as well, Dave. Alex, would you like to add anything about sound or cinematography or just general feel for the film? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's very well shot. I think, you know, it is Wolfgang Peterson film, he knows what he's doing. Uh, I, I, I have to agree with Dave on this. I found the, the soundtrack a little bit, you know, it's a bit too... You also want to salute all the way through it, basically. It's a bit, <laughs> it's a bit too, you know, all star, you know, stars and stripes sort of music. Um... Yeah, I mean that 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 that. Yeah, after a little while, it did start to get on my nerves a little bit. And um, I, I, the last thing I'd say is, it's just funny to see a film now because obviously, when the presidency is portrayed in films, it's often with this real prestige. It's this sort of like it's almost treated like they are beyond human. And I don't know if it's just jarring in the times we're living in now when we're looking at the president of the United States. It just doesn't. Wow, that is that how we used to view it? Like. Um, and yet, also, the, the way it the, is a bit imperialistic, the way it's sort of America's portrayed as the world policeman. I'm surprised. Do, but, I do think, but I do think someone got a few licks in somewhere when they wrote Gary Oldman's line, you know? So, yeah. Okay, right. So thank you very much, everybody. I'm just going to wrap it up here with some closing points, right? You've got a minute each to discuss your closing points. Dave, would you like to go first? Thank you very much. I'll address that point about Gary Oldman's uh, speech. That is a great speech, and he makes a very valid point. No one comes back at him. It's just forgotten about in the script instantly. It's like, like oh, should, should we edit that out? It's like, I'll leave it in, but don't have anyone react to it. It's for, instantly forgotten about. They should have dwelt on that point a little bit longer, maybe explored this guy's motives, try and understand the bad guy a little more. They never bothered trying to do it. This film is just preposterous. You know, everything from the, the interior of the plane kind of expanding, like the Mary Poppins, Poppins bag equivalent of a, of a Boeing. It's just like the interiors don't match the exteriors and things like that. And the overacting, the misuse of the characters, it just, it's overdone. And the imperialism does leave a very bitter taste. Okay, thank you very much, Dave. Joel, your minute begins. No. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, you know, Dave makes excellent points if you want to judge the film entirely on realism and how real it's going to stand up. It's not a documentary. Just sit back, watch it, and enjoy it, and you will. You know, it's thrilling, it's exciting, and it's diehard on a plane, and it literally lives up to that, so I don't need to say any more. Okay, Alex, I'd like to put a cherry on the cake there. Can you sum up this film in one word? Uh, Gary Oldman. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> right, that's two words, and it's not a word, technically. Uh, right, okay. Well, so this, this now it leaves me with a very hard choice because I have I've seen the film, but I saw the film in 1997 and I haven't actually seen it since. And I haven't had the chance to watch it again because, as you may well know, my internet has been on the blink for the past three <laughs> weeks. So I've had a very, very hard time getting a new broadband package set up. Uh, so I haven't actually had a chance to watch it. So I think I'm very well cast in the judge's role this week. 
I have been listening intently to what everybody has been saying. That's just a few points here. So, Joel, in defence, he spoke about it being a cat and mouse thrill ride. He said it's very authentic. The action sequences were very visual. Uh, visceral, sorry. He also said about, you know, mentioned about sexism in the film. <laughs> that did pique my interest. You know, I do not like cliched women characters in films, and it looks like Glenn Close was a great addition to the cast. When you went on to talk about cast, you said they were really, really great characters. You said you'd rather have Gary Oldman in the film with an accent than not in the film without an accent. That was brilliant. Uh, also, you said he has a really kind of human, emotional element to him. And you said about the sound, the score was great and the cinematography was really, really well done as well. Dave, as the prosecution, you said that it was riddled with plot holes. You said that, you know, the whole idea of Xander Barkley as an inside man was just ridiculous. The special effects didn't live up either. You said that although the cast were really great, they were criminally underutilised. You said that it was packed with pantomime villains or no lines for great actors. You also said about the sound, it not being very good at all, it being too patriotic. So this leaves me with a very, very hard decision. And as I said before, I need to be completely impartial and base it just on your arguments alone. And I think you both put up a very, very, very good fight. And I think, Alex, you did a very good job as being the character witness and lending some weight to either side of the argument. But I think this week I'm going to have to side with the defence. <gasps> Wow, please. Did not see that coming. I didn't see it coming, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, so, so Air Force One. It's on the hit list. Uh, judging by arguments alone. <laughs> oh, you, have, you have to drive that one out. Really. <laughs> it's, it's your fault. Eh? It's your fault. It's, it's on the hit list. It's on the hit list. I, I mean, I remember watching it thinking it was terrible, to be honest. And that was me, you know, watching it 20 years ago thinking it was terrible. So I was kind of inclined to put it on the shit list to be honest but I think Joel made some really really good points uh, and you know, talking about the characters there I, I really liked your idea of yeah you've got some really great characters in there and you, you might feel that they're underutilized and not used enough but you would rather have somebody like Jürgen Brock now you know in there adding gravitas to the film than just an unknown extra you know you think it wouldn't add that much weight to it so I think that point was really good. Also, you mentioned about misogyny in the film. You know, that's that's always going to uh, pique my interest, to be honest. Um, so, I, I mean, right, so as, as I said right at the beginning, it, we don't know what roles we're going to have when we start out, so it is always a gamble. Uh, just getting some people's real opinions on it. Dave, did you really think it was a bad film? God bless America. I loved Air Force One. I really enjoyed Air Force One. I think it's a great film. The score is brilliant. I love the patriotism in it. I think, you know, if only British films were a bit more patriotic instead of so self-deprecating all the time. Yeah? Yeah, I thought Gary Oldman was fantastic. You'd have, you'd have a Theresa May running around. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to think of a similar... Yeah. I, yeah. I would pay to a see double-decker it. tourist. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Gary Oldman was fantastic. I thought the cast were great. I loved the score. I loved the dialogue. Direction. I thought there were some great snappy one-liners in it. And, like, yeah, it, it is riddled with inaccuracies. But, like Joel said, it's the old, dare I say, the old lethal weapon argument. It's like, what are you here for? What did you sign on for? Yeah, Just exactly. sit back and enjoy. And, yeah. yeah, I loved it. Well, that's it. Very, very surprising to hear, to be honest, because you were, were so compelling in your argument. You uh, so, Joel, what Not is compelling your... compelling enough. <laughs> <laughs> Joel, Joel, what was your uh, real opinion of 
Well, that literally was my real opinion. You know, it's die hard on a plane. You watch it for fun. You don't watch it for factual, um, you know, kind of... Facts. Yeah, yeah facts. <laughs> factual facts. Factual facts. facts. <laughs> the most hard-hitting of all facts. <laughs> I, I love that we're in week 11, and I, so let's just say you've done about like seven, either on the prosecution or the defence, or as the character witness, and you must have used the line, yeah, but it's not a documentary. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I have used it a few times. <laughs> one, one day we're going to have to review a documentary. You know? <laughs> I mean, that last week was great because we had the kind of live studio audience slash jury, and we were playing sort of drinking games to it, it it on yeah, how many times. Could you tell viewers? <laughs> we can hear the clinking of glasses towards the end, but judging on how many times people have said old or crazy, but I think if you did a general drinking game for it, every time the word sexist, racist, or it's not a documentary, or <laughs> don't think of other ones, we'll, we'll work out the rules at a later date and post them online. Uh, so, Joel, that was your definite opinion. You, you were in the opinion, die hard on a plane, that's pretty much it. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. It's almost like we got Steve back in doing the impression. <laughs> okay, Alex, what was your opinion on it? Uh, well, you know, as character witness, I can sort of go with what I feel a bit more. And yeah, no, I'd, I'd, I'd go with all of that. I'm, it's die, like, I'm going to say it for the last, hopefully the last time in this podcast. <laughs> it is die hard on a plane. Everybody but, drink. <laughs> but I, I'm, not sure if I'd, I'm not sure if I'd put it on the hit list, because I just, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, Die hard is die hard for me, so die hard on a plane, the sort of under siege ones. They're really good, but yeah, you know, I, I don't mind it being on. It's great songs. Scrape of scrape of the yeah. barrel. Yeah, I yeah. think it's where it belongs. This, do, is, this is bittersweet for me. I, I do seem to want to watch it fairly. I mean, like every five years or so. So I guess that's <laughs> a good sign. Of results, so. Yeah, and I'm sure Donald Trump has weekly viewings. Of the, <laughs> the one, to be honest. Right. So, so just guessing. What would you think it would score on IMDb, Alex? You're usually quite good on this. Um, 6.7. 6.7. Joel, higher or lower? 6.5. Okay, Dave? Uh, 7.5. Joel is on the nose, 6.5 out of 10. Well done, Joel. So, well done. I knew already. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you're honest. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. Right, uh, so I, I just want to just uh, cover off our, our last sort of thing, a, a new regular instalment of the show, which is the caption contest, which has been going down an absolute storm on Twitter. Uh, so I took a snippet of the film, which is a picture of Gary Oldman aggressively pointing a gun at uh, I was going to say Donald Trump's face then <laughs> <laughs> I, would wa- I would watch that I think, I think you've just seen the future guys. I think we all would watch that so aggressively pointing a gun at Harrison Ford's face as he looks back into him into his eyes very angrily but in his other hand Gary Oldman is holding a phone to Harrison Ford's face so some of the captions we've had for here and there have been some really really good ones uh, we've got one here I've got George Lucas on the phone here you're going to suggest they remake the Star Wars saga with Tony Hibbert as Han Solo. <laughs> for anybody who... <laughs> it's a very, very, very very niche joke that it's, it's about an Everton player who was famous for never, ever scoring a goal. Possibly why only me and Gav laughed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I did a little reply of his character name would have to be Sans Golo. <laughs> yeah. And then there was another reply, and this was actually voted the best comment on the whole thing, was, uh, uh, there'll be no doubt who shot first, as sans, sans Golo never shoots. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, right, getting away from that. Okay, so we've got another one. Call Disney and tell them you'll do another Star Wars movie. Uh, we've got one saying, it's my wife, tell her I'm not here. 
<laughs> another one, uh, time to accept the charges, Mr. President. <laughs> another one, President Trump is on the phone. I'd rather die than talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, it's, uh, it, and it was quite close to the top. We've got this one, which I absolutely loved. Um, tell Putin that you love him. He wants you to say it and mean it this time. <laughs> And we've got, we've got, it was very, very hard at the top here. Uh, my friend will be kicking me because he, he put this one on because it's a multi-layered joke. This is obviously a dig at, at my broadband slash uh, internet experiences over the past three weeks. You have to buy a phone line with your broadband package. <laughs> and then at number one, this is a great, absolutely great. Order one of everything from Ivanka's website or else. <laughs> so I just want to thank everybody for uh, submitting those captions because I absolutely love them. I don't know about you guys, but I, that's one of my oh, favorite yeah, parts of the show, yeah, to be honest. Uh, so I, I do want to kind of um, uh, bring it to a close now. We have drawn the film that's going to be reviewed next week out of the hat, and it is the i mean is it a film it's a, it's a tv miniseries slash mm-hmm. film i would say but it is the original 1990 version of stephen king's it and we've also mm. pulled out the roles so acting as judge next week it's going to be dave acting as the character witness it's going to be joel in defense of the film it's going to be myself and in prosecution it's going to be alex so how are we all feeling about reviewing that yeah, have, have you seen it <laughs> I have seen it, yeah. Have you seen it, Gov? I've seen it and I've seen it as well. <laughs> <laughs> this is literally what our conversation has been like today. It's been tricky. Uh, have we seen it? Have you, have you seen it? It's, 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 it's good. What, what, we're talking about it? You're talking about it, we're it talking the film about or it. just it as a generic thing? Because <laughs> I, I, I was thinking about maybe, <laughs> maybe we need like a, a middle ground, you know, not the hit list, not the shit list. We need something for the Air Force One. So maybe the it list. <laughs> it's neither one nor the other uh, but so that I'm really looking forward to doing that to be honest guys and hopefully I might get my first ever win your first win yeah uh, and uh, am I judging did we say yes yeah I don't count on it <laughs> <laughs> oh, and hopefully by then we will have recovered from the hangover that we got from uh, last week's uh, jury special as well <laughs> but I just want to say thank you very 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 much to everybody who has listened to the podcast so far for all the great feedback, all the great reviews, the likes, the shares, the subscribes, we really, 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 really do appreciate it all. I, I, I'm just really, really happy with how well it's going at the moment, and I just want to thank every single person for tuning in. Uh, if you want to follow us some more, you can follow us on Twitter, at Film Trials, and you can suggest films to us there. We've had a couple recently, and we've put them in the hat, so hopefully we'll be coming across them very soon. If you want to give us a watch on YouTube, just type in the search button, films on trial also you can follow us on instagram that's a new one guys oh. yeah 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 we're moving on up in the social media world you can follow us by typing in films on trial on the search engine there also if you want to listen to us on soundcloud go to www.soundcloud.com slash films dash on dash trial have i missed anything else out there is there any social media which we don't have maybe it's easier just to start there to be honest we're going to overtake the world but i do want to say a shout out to our graphic designer winston sang who's been doing our uh, artwork each and every week please give him a follow on twitter as well at the underscore quirks and i want to say a massive 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 thank you to our new producer (laughs) slash sound engineer who's been sat here uh, giggling away to himself all episodes it's Mr. Austin Ray who has done a fantastic job of increasing our production values 
significantly. Quite a lot, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, now, yeah, I mean, we spent at least the first 20 minutes of the show just talking to each other through the headphones. <laughs> so I just want to say thank you very much. You can follow him on Twitter as well, at Aussie Ray. So, once again, thank you very much, everybody, and we will hear you all, see you all. We will be in your ears <laughs> next week. Wow. <laughs> when we put it on trial. Thank you very much, guys. Goodbye. Goodbye.